Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. And ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Believe in the Rockets on all your favorite podcast streaming services. And if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts by any chance, please be sure to leave a five-star review. Now, on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, I am actually going to share my opinions and talk to you guys about the Kevin Porter Jr. point guard experience, whether or not I think that he is coming close to the expectations that I have for him going into the season. And then we're going to close out this latest installment of, of Believe in the Rockets, looking at an update on the John Wall situation. And I'm going to share my thoughts why I do believe Wall is actually doing himself a disservice by not playing with the Rockets but on this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets ladies and gentlemen I'm actually going to share my thoughts on the first 12 games of the season because the Houston Rockets and I'm recording this literally hours before the Rockets take on the Phoenix Suns but as of right now the Houston Rockets are 1 in 11 but by the time you guys hear this Nine times out of 10, they're going to be 1 and 12. But before we jump into that, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. We are back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all basketball and football action this season. And ladies and gentlemen, with the way Steph Curry has the Golden State Warriors sitting at the top of the league at what? 11 and 1, 12 and 1 with him breaking the all-time three-pointer record with him playing as good as he has ever played throughout his career. You should bet on whether or not Steph Curry is going to add another MVP award to his already stellar Hall of Fame career. And in order for you to do that, please be sure to go to the betonline.ag website to sign up today. And if you do, you will receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of this amazing opportunity available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. I want to share my thoughts on the first 12 games of the NBA season for Houston. And I can honestly sit here and say that in some cases, this is a team that has surpassed my expectations. And this is also a team who has failed to meet my expectation. Now, I know 
Rockets in 2021, you hear expectations. You might think to yourself, well, what in the, what what type of expectations did you have for a rebuilding team that a lot of people thought for sure was going to be one of, if not the worst team in the league? Well, I originally expected this team to win 30 games this year. Now, do I think 30 games is still possible as of right now, 12, 13 games into the season? Uh they just need 29 more wins in order to meet that is it possible i don't know but what i would say is i'm going to stand by my original prediction because when i when i take a look at the rockets through these first 12 13 games i'm gonna say 13 given the fact that one, they haven't played the Phoenix Suns while I'm recording this, but two, I'm pretty sure it's going to be more of the same when they play against the Suns later tonight. But through the first 13 games of the season, I'm looking at this from a standpoint of the Rockets have shown they have two major issues that is affecting this team to get victories. One, that is the lack of execution in the closing moments of a game. And it's also the inexperience that this team has. Now, the reason why I'm still holding on to the fact that this is a team that could possibly win 30 games, I think that this is going to be a team that is going to finally find their niche. They're going to finally find their strive. Let's say when we head closer to the all-star break. So you're looking like mid-season. Because what I just mentioned, the inability to execute in the final moments of a game and their inexperience, that's something that is going to enhance the more the season progress. And I know right now you're looking at this, that you're looking at this record with only one win in the win column and 12 in the loss column. Things are going to get better. And I know, you know, we could go on and on about the turnovers. We could go on and on about the free throw shooting. But this is why, in a way, the Rockets have surpassed my expectations for them as of right now. Because the last time we was all together, I said that we're going to see three versions of the Rockets this year. One, we're going to see a young, inexperienced team that, you know, they're going to get their behinds handed to them against teams like the Lakers, like the Nuggets, um, like the Phoenix Suns. Then we're going to see this team go up against um, playoff fringe teams where, you know, they're know that you know, they're going to go into the playoffs. But, you know, any given night they could get got um, and you're looking at games like the Portland Trailblazers, the Dallas Mavericks. And then you're looking at games where I said they should without a doubt win. <laughs> and you're looking at games like the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Detroit Pistons. At the very top of that list. When I say the Rockets, when they go up against those championship contending teams that they was going to get their behinds handed to them, they have surpassed my expectation by far. Because, yes, when you go back and you take a look at the first 12 games of the season, I could literally count seven games the Rockets lost that they should have won. And out of those seven games, six of those games came against really good veteran 
and I think one, two, maybe three of them were a championship contending team, and the Rockets almost stole a victory. Of course, I started noticing this when the Rockets went on that five-game road trip. Yeah, they went 0-5, but you go back and you take a look at the way how they played against the Los Angeles Lakers. Game one, it was the inexperience and the inability to close games out in the fourth quarter is the reason why they lost that first game. That second game, it literally took LeBron James to go into GOAT mode in the fourth quarter where he scored like 10 or 12 points in order to give the Los Angeles Lakers the lead. You go back and you take a look at the Denver Nuggets. Once again, the inability to close out games, the inability to execute in the fourth quarter is the reason why that team lost by one point. And we could go on and on and on, but those are three games that I just talked about where I said to myself, the Rockets have no shot of winning this game, and they battle through. Even when you take a look at games where the final score wasn't as close, i.e. when they played against the Phoenix Suns on the road, and even the Golden State Warriors, who is, by the way, I think might be the best team in basketball right now, they actually played both of those teams very close up until like the final minutes. And of course, Golden State do Golden State things. I was very encouraged by what I saw. And when I go back and I take a look at these first 12 games of the season, the only time that you could honestly say the Rockets <laughs> lost and got their behinds handed to them was the season opener against the Minnesota Timberwolves. And of course, the home loss where they lost 122 to 91 to the Utah Jazz. But when I go back and I take a look at these first 12 games of the season, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I understand the frustration level is there, especially considering, you know, we all thought that they was going to win at least a little bit more games to open up this season. But you have to be encouraged by the way this team is competing every single night. Now, on the flip side of things, the one game that kind of got on my nerves, and I'm pretty sure we can all agree to this, is when they lost to the Detroit Pistons. Of course, that was the very first time Jalen Green faced off against Kay Cunningham. And, you know, there was a lot of questionable rotations going on you know whether or not Steven Silas made the right choice you know that was the game where he did not play DJ Augustine but he played Josh Christopher and he said he wanted to give for a look and you know I didn't like that answer because you know this was a very winnable game for the Rockets and I thought you know once Kevin Porter Jr. you know was going in and out was every time Kevin Porter Jr. you know made some kind of substitution it should have been DJ Augustine to go out there and you know give the Rockets minutes but you know that was a team that also came out very very slow in that first quarter and I do believe if they would have came out even better that would have been a game the Rockets could have won but look ladies and gentlemen one in 11, most likely one in 12 by the time you guys hear this. Right now, the Rockets are on, what, a 10-game losing streak. Um, they, are also, they also have the worst record in the league, given the fact that the New Orleans Pelicans did win their game on Saturday night. Things on the outside looking in does not look good for the Rockets, but there's a lot of promise. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of encouragement for this organization because, like I just mentioned, in the first 12 games, with the exception of maybe two or three, I can honestly sit here and say I was proud and very encouraged how the way this team came out and competed. And like I say, the ability, the inability to execute in the fourth quarter, 
in their inexperience, that is something that is going to finally come around when we reach the the midway point of the NBA season, and that is when they're going to start not only winning more games, but that's when we're going to start seeing this Houston Rockets team play a little bit more consistently with the potential that they have. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, continuing here with this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, the first 12 games of the season, there's been a lot of talk surrounding the point guard experience of Kevin Porter Jr. Now, I understand when you hear the term point guard, you your mind and i'm not gonna lie i also do the same as well our minds go back to the traditional quote-unquote point guard someone who is a floor general someone who is going to be pass first someone who is actually going to facilitate the ball a lot more than try to score the ball and when i take a look at kevin porter jr ladies and gentlemen and I know a lot of you might disagree with this, but I have been very impressed by the way Porter has played basketball this year. And to be honest with you guys, it goes beyond him trying to be the quote-unquote point guard of this team. And I say quote-unquote point guard of this team because, look, Porter from the fans, a couple people in the media, they've been giving Porter a little bit, uh, some some backlash about his ability or inability to play that position and following practice on thursday i had an opportunity to ask kevin porter jr um you know as he continues to take the helm and be this team starting point guard are there any type of kinks that he, he that he is still trying to work on and improve in order to become better at that position and Porter said, said two things that was very interesting to me. He said, one, it's more of a mental mindset with him because like us, he had put too much emphasis on the word point guard. But he also talked about, and, and of course I'm paraphrasing here, but he also went on to talk about how the position isn't really the position that we all think it is now. And he went on talking about how his the way he plays, he needs the ball in his hands. And when he stood there and he was talking to me, telling me, you know, about how in some ways he's still working on to refine his game in order to play that position. At the same time, he's not looking at the point guard like a Chris Paul, like a Jason Kidd, like a John Stockton. <laughs> he's looking at a point guard like James Harden. And you're talking about a guy like he just mentioned who need the ball in his hands in order to excel at his game. And to be honest with you, listeners, when you take a look at every single point guard, nearly every single point guard in 2021, how many of those point guards that we talk about are past first traditional heavy point guards? First and foremost, I opened up the show for the bet online <laughs> read for the bet online ad that I just did. And I'm sitting here talking about Steph Curry winning league MVP. And he isn't leading, leading, he isn't winning league MVP by averaging 15, 16 assists. No, he's doing it averaging damn near 30, shooting damn near 40% from behind the arc. We literally just ended an era in James Harden to where this man was handed, was the primary ball handler for what, 
the first four years of his career then the last four of his career here in the city of houston he just took the role as quote-unquote point guard and by the way speaking of ball handler that is something else um kevin porter jr said that he doesn't want to be known as the quote-unquote point guard he wants to be known as the primary ball handler and that lets me know and of course this is something that i have been seeing ever since kevin porter jr got here his his play style is similar to that of a James Harden. Now, is he as good as James Harden is? Nah, I don't think so, but I think he has a possibility to be, you know, come close to as good as James is. But Kevin Porter Jr. is a player that, and we are starting to see more of this in today's NBA where you cannot give them a position and say, play this position and here are all the people that you should look up to in order to be just as good as that position as a matter of fact when you take a look at point guard the last pure point guard that i have seen over the last what 10 years has been chris paul because it seemed like ever since the rival derrick rose the point guard position has really taken that next step to where there are no longer pass first they are all i'm going to get mine and at the same time i'm going to help my team get theirs as well and that was something that we were starting to see uh, a little bit earlier in the 2000s. But of course, this last 10 years of the NBA, we have really seen it a lot. And to me, Kevin Porter Jr. isn't a point guard. To me, Kevin Porter Jr. is just a straight hooper. And when I look back at the end, and what, and what I mean by that, and that's just a term that I came up to describe someone like a KPJ, someone like a James Harden, hell, someone like an Allen Alverson to where... It's hard to say, go out there and be a point guard, go out there and be a shooting guard, go out there being a small forward. Because you're not really, your game cannot be defined by one position. You're just going out there and just straight hooping. <laughs> and whether that means scoring 40 to 50 points or whether that means dishing out 10 to 20 assists, you're just going to go out there and play your game and help your team as much as possible in order to get a victory. And that is what we're seeing in Kevin Porter Jr. Now, on the flip side of that, I do want to mention one of the things that I have been extremely proud of in, in KPJ is his ability to try to convert into a two-way player. And that is not something that – and that's something that I noticed during the two-game series against the Los Angeles Lakers because he actually went out his way to guard LeBron James. And I wrote about this on SB Nation, and you guys can go check it out as well. And I'm actually put the link in the description of this podcast. But Kevin Porter Jr. literally stepped up and guarded LeBron James and did a very good job on him. Now, like I said in my article, I'm not going to say he's the LeBron stopper. <laughs> Nobody's a LeBron stopper. But when you go back and you take a look at the way he played LeBron, especially more so that first game that took place on that Sunday night, KPJ held his own defending one of the greatest players ever, probably the greatest player ever. He did his own. And even beyond that game against the Lakers, KPJ has done a really good job defending players. And... Before I go on talking about KPJ, I want you guys to listen to the exchange that I had with Steven Silas on Friday, prior to Friday's game when they lost against the Portland Trail Blazers. Because KPJ said that the main thing with him when trying to play this point guard position as good as possible is more so of a mental game because he is putting too much emphasis on the, on the term point guard. I asked Steven Silas how... Can he help, as the head coach, how can he help Porter 
with the mental aspect of becoming a point guard, but at the same time, you know, it's internal. Like, how can you help something that's internal? Just listen to the response that Steven Silas gave me. Yeah, for for him and me, it's really focusing on what he's doing well more than the turnovers and that sort of thing. He really is doing some good things at the point, but it's a hard position to learn. It's like a rookie quarterback, you know, it's, it's tough when you're trying to, when your whole life you've thought about how you play and now you're in a position where you're trying to figure out how you can make a group play well, that's a hard adjustment. So he is doing some things on the floor that are really good and he, he needs to understand that. But um, it can be frustrating when you're just learning something new and you're uh, having kind of uneven moments and you're really wanting to do it as, as well as you can and as best as you can. It, it can be uh, it can be tough, but uh, but he's working through it. And the one thing that I've been super proud of him for is his defense. Like he was not very good defensively last year and he's pretty good defensively this year. So um, focusing on those things will help the growth instead of like picking at each individual turnover and you should have done this, you should have looked at that and this is what your read should have been and all of that, that to me doesn't help growth at all. One, I love the analogy about it's, on, it's similar to a rookie quarterback, and that's something that we do see in the NFL. But I played that clip for two reasons. One, I played it because it showcased that Porter is still adjusting his game to, to the NBA level. And two, and most importantly, it just proved my claim that Kevin Porter Jr. is trying to develop into a two-way player because his defense this year is so much better when you compare it to where it was last season. I understand that Porter has been in the league for three years, and at this point, this is a stage where players really start to find their niche. As a matter of fact, when you when you go back and you take a look at some of the greatest players over the last decade or so, a lot of times come their third season, that's when we started to get a, a glimpse of the all-star caliber player that they could possibly become. And in some cases, the Hall of Fame player that some of these players can actually become. And I get it, Kevin Porter Jr. is has been in, technically has been in the league for three years. But ladies and gentlemen, Porter, Sunday night, had just played his 89th career game. So technically, he is in the first, stage first stages of being a sophomore in his league. And I understand a lot of you might be a little bit frustrated because, you know, Porter, you know, the way he's playing right now, more so the fact that it hasn't given the Rockets, you know, hardly any wins this season. You have to like what you're seeing from this young man as of right now. Because like I just mentioned, this is a guy who is literally just finally starting to find his niche. And he's only a sophomore technically in this league. And at 21 years old, this man has a lot of growing and a lot of experience to get experience a thing. And at 21 years old, this young man still has a lot of experience 
and a lot of development that he needs to go through. And it's showing every single game, I'm seeing a better version of KPJ. As a matter of fact, I had an opportunity to talk to Damian Litter on Friday about Kevin Porter Jr. because those two guys go way back when Porter was in high school. <laughs> and Dame said, look, that guy's talented. He's actually one of my favorite players to watch. One of my favorite young players to watch in this league. And to see Porter has the respect from his peers, men mentors, his coaches, this young man is going to be something special. And, you know, 12, 13 games into the season, I understand he has issues with turnovers and stuff. But ladies and gentlemen, what I have been watching ever since me and Kevin Porter Jr., you know, kind of had that exchange and yes, I only know it's been two games, but I've been seeing a little bit more of an aggressive KPJ. And by the way, after we spoke on Thursday, Friday night, he went out and scored 18 points in this five assists. But the best part about that game, he only turned the ball over one time. So, you know, I, I see a lot of people, you know, oh, Porter should come off the bench. Oh, Porter isn't a point guard, blah, 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 blah. Maybe Porter isn't a point guard, but at the end of the day, he is a team's primary ball handler. And just like James Harden, he needs the ball in his hands to excel on the court. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, before we close out this latest installment of Believe in the Rockets, and please be sure to subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast streaming services. Really quick before closing out this show, I literally just wanted to touch on this update that we got from Woj last week about John Wall. And Woj reported that Wall... There's a possibility that he is going to miss the entire 2021-2022 season because the Rockets cannot find a trade partner. And there was also a report that I'm not sure that is true or not, but apparently Wall still isn't interested in a buyout. And he is actually willing to sit two seasons if need be in order to finish out his contract. Now, here in the city of Houston, John Wall is what? The third all-star caliber player to sit out an entire season. In baseball, there's Justin Verlander. <laughs> and of course, in football, there's Deshaun Watson. And if you guys know me, I'm also a beat reporter covering the Texans as well. And, <laughs> of course, I know that story way too much. And now John Wall makes another all-star caliber player who is sitting out of a season. But if I could put this nicely, I think this is the dumbest and the stupidest thing out of those three players who are sitting out. Because say what you want about Justin Verlander, the guy did have Tommy John surgery. And it was important for him to take the year off and, you know, get his get his arm back together. And, you know, so he could go out there and be, you know, the, the all-star pitcher that he came to Houston and helped this team win a championship for. And I do believe if we had Justin Verlander, we probably would have won a World Series, but that's neither here or there. 
Then the other guy in Houston. Now, similar to John Wall, yeah, he is sitting out because, you know, he's trying to force a trade. But to keep it PG, Deshaun also has some very serious allegations against him to where even if he did wanted to play for the Texans this season, I would still be okay with him sitting out. That's my boy. I cover him. I do see him almost every day at NRG Stadium when I go up there, you know, working out by himself on the practice field, him and the trainer. But Deshaun Watson is really going through something like really major. And I hope I hope well for my guy. But I wanted to bring those two situations up because I'm looking at John Wall and I'm saying to myself, unlike the other two superstars in Houston, all-star caliber players in Houston that's sitting out, John Wall literally makes no sense. Now, before I say that, I do want to say that I do feel that Wall, that I was at first I was okay with Wall not playing. And I was okay with it because I said, look, you have two ball-dominant young guys on your team that's clearly the future, and clearly Wall isn't your future. You need to give them as much time with the ball in their hands. You need to give them as much time to develop as possible. And while I'm still under that notion, I think John Wall is also doing himself a disservice by not playing. And Wall is at the stage of his career at what? 31, 32 years old, where he is no longer the all-star point guard that he was with the Washington Wizards. But Wall also proved that, you know, in the 40, 41 games that he played last year, that he can still be a reliable, a respectable and at times, a damn good player in this league. But I say Wall is doing himself a disservice because I understand that he doesn't want to be a part of this rebuilding team, but he's hurting himself by not playing. I understand that Wall doesn't want to come off the bench, but he is hurting himself by not playing. When you have an all-star caliber player, like John Wall, and they start injuries started to take a decline on him. He's no longer the all-star top five, top ten point guard in the league anymore. And I'm and I'm speaking as a whole from what I've been noticing over the last 10 years, where Wall is at the stage in his career where he's gonna have to make some type of sacrifice. Because I don't think John Wall has reached the point where he needs to come off the bench. But let's say he did. And let's say that he did accepted the role to be the team's sixth man. 12 games into the season, not only will the Rockets have a better record, but Wall will showcase that, hey, I could still play. I could still be valuable to a team. And that will give a contending team like the Los Angeles Clippers, like whoever else you want to throw in there, like the 76ers. If they if he go out there and showcase and have tape and footage of him literally playing NBA basketball every night, not only showing that he's still a damn good player, and I do think he is, but showing that he is healthy and he, that he could get through the season, Wall probably will be out of here by Christmas. But the fact that, over the last, what, 
three years, you only played 41 games, and that 41 games was in a condensed COVID NBA schedule, and you wasn't playing back-to-backs. So it was still a lot of questions on whether or not you can be the guy that you were for before these injuries. He's doing himself a disservice by not playing. Don't know what this situation with John Wall is going to lead to. And I know some people might listen to this and say, well, you might just want John Wall to play just because you know he's going to help this team, you know, win a couple games. And you're right. He will help this team win a couple games. But I really do think Wall is doing himself a disservice by not playing for the Rockets at least to start the season. Because had he come off the bench, and let's say average about, because you know he's still going to get his, still average about a good 15 to six and a half assists, he would be traded by now. And just because you're coming off the bench for a rebuilding team where you want to start your young guys in order to give them the experience that they need in their career, that doesn't mean that when you go to a contending team like the Clippers or the 76ers or, you know, whatever contending team you want to throw out there, that doesn't mean that you're not going to start for them. And I think that is what Wall is actually missing here. But he's doing himself a disservice because the longer he sit out, the less and less a team is going to want to acquire him and take on nearly $90 million for a guy where he is nowhere near the guy he was when he signed that big contract. But ladies and gentlemen, that is going to conclude another installment of Believe in the Rockets only on the Believe Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.